I want to be considering something tonight, and uh, it looks very simple, but this is the the very foundation of our belief, the very foundation of our faith. And uh, I want us to really have a clear consideration about what I'm about to teach because, you know, often and again we see people or hear people talk about pleading the blood and all of that. But I want to be very specific tonight and considering the value of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. First of all, let's look at the book of Hebrews, chapter number 9. Hebrews 9. Let's look at verse 22. The Bible said, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now when he says, and according to the law, almost all things, that is because, even according to the law, there were some things that were purified with water. And there were some other things that were purified with salt. Alright? So if some, some things are purified with water, some other ones are purified with salt. That is why Paul here is saying almost all things is purified by blood. Hallelujah. And then he said without shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. Now, we, we basically here in Africa, we do know that even when you talk about traditional worship, they are full of blood sacrifices what essentially they try to do is buying back your life when you go to the shrines in other words they want to exchange your life for the animal that is what it means when you go and they say bring goat bring fowl and then you are there and then you remember all they really take out of the animal you bring in is the blood is that okay? It's the blood. And then they get the blood out and then the poet, some can even give you the blood to drink. You know? And then the rest of the meat is for the feasting. Right. So, what they are actually practicing is just what we've read. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Is that okay? I'm just trying to give you a background. Now, Let's look at the book of Matthew 20. Matthew chapter 20. Uh, no, 26 rather. Matthew 26. Let's look at verse um, 28. 26 verse 28. Uh, Jesus was speaking. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shared for many for the remission of sins. 
This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission, I mean for many, for the remission of sins. And so, let's look at the book of Romans again. Romans. Romans 3, let's look at verse 25. Uh, okay, let's just look at from 23 to 25. For all have seen and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his, by his blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. I like that. Amen? God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. So the first thing I want you to understand is like I said sometime here Excuse me. When you when you want to make a sacrifice or you go to the shrine and then they ask you to bring the fowl, the golds, or whatever thing they want to bring. The truth again is like I told us some time past, the, the value of the blood they are sharing is not the equivalent of the blood of a man. Therefore you cannot guarantee of the remissions of sins. Or deliverance. I'm going to explain to you much, much later. Um, however, let us just make this little progress. The blood of Jesus is the blood of God. Is that okay? Can we prove that? We say that in the book of Matthew chapter 1. Just get down to Matthew chapter 1. I try to give you this mystery sometime. But let me repeat it. Matthew chapter 1. And uh, are you there? The Bible says, now, I'm looking for this, reading from verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Of the Holy Ghost. That means the Holy Ghost is his father. In this sense. And so you must understand that the Holy Ghost is God. Hallelujah. How do we know that? Act. The book of Acts. Let's look at chapter 20 and verse 28. How do we know that? We said the Holy Ghost is God. You know, it takes two to make a baby. The man and the woman. Am I right? So we find Mary as the woman and then here we see the Holy Ghost to be the man. So, and that means the life of the Holy Ghost is going to be impacted into Mary to be able to bring forth the life of Jesus. So here in Acts chapter 20 verse 28, the Bible says, 
Therefore take it to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with what? Whose blood? God's blood. Fine. So, now you find that the blood that was in Jesus Christ was the blood of who? The blood of God. And you know, the blood is the life of man. So, the life of God is what we receive today through the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Now, got the picture right. When Adam sinned, he sold every one of us into another parent, if you will. We were giving battle through another source. So, we can say the true blood, the genuine blood, that was supposed to be ours through Adam was corrupted. In that sense, we never have the blood of God as it should be. Is that okay? That is why animals can't perpetrate for you. Animals can't redeem you. I mean, the blood of animal sacrifices can't guarantee freedom or deliverance. Because they are not the equivalent of the blood of a man. You know, remember the law says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Remember that? Hello? Are you there? Okay, so understand that. So for God to get mankind back, He has to bring a figure or a being that can carry His own blood. So when the Bible says, what was in Mary was of the Holy Spirit, it shows Joseph never participated in the bringing forth of Jesus Christ. God and Mary did. So, that is why people say, and accurately we can say, he was 100% God and 100% man, if you will. From his bloodline, he is completely God. He is the son of God. From his humanity line, from the mother, he is the son of man. So he's talking about the son of man and then the son of God. So he's both the son of God and the son of man. By reason of Mary, he is the son of man. But by reason of the Holy Spirit, which brings the blood into his life, he is the son of God. Are you catching this? Right. Now, the blood of God poured out. So I want you to understand the value of the blood. So that you don't unnecessarily, please, be wasting it. Hallelujah. Anytime, let me explain to you. Anytime you sprinkle the blood in what we have called the blood of sprinkling, you must begin to understand from this moment what you are doing. That you are actually impacting the life of God to that substance. You must begin to understand. So it's not something you play with. It's not a religious thing. It is the life of God that you are talking about. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? Now that is why you find that in the book of Exodus, when the Bible says they should put the blood on the lintel, remember I told you here some time past, it wasn't the devil that was killing people in Egypt. It was the angel of death released by God himself. 
That is why he said, when I see the blood, I, God, will pass over, not the devil. Are you still there? Now, what it really means is, if God sees the blood, he simply says, this is my house. My life is here, so I can't destroy myself. That's what it means when the blood is on the lintel. So when you are pleading the blood, you are actually talking about that individual being accepted by God and being protected by God. Are you still there? Okay, now, let's move down and begin to see some major, I'm going to give you three major things the blood is supposed to be doing for us. Three major things. I'm not even considering Exodus, but three major vital things. Let me tell you something. If you don't have the blood, you are not a Christian. What, what qualifies you as a believer is the blood. Get that very well. That is basically what separates you from a Hindu. That's what separates you from a I mean, a Mohammedan or whatever thing you want to name it. It is the blood that brings the separation. Because all I've seen are conscious of the glory of God. Now, let's look at Romans 5, verse number 9. Is that much more than having now been what justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, what I want you to know there is the word justified. It means the blood justifies us. The word justified, the carnal, or as the case may be there in the, in the Hebrew, I mean the Greek means to render that is show or regard as just or innocent are you understanding that it means free it means justified it means to be righteous so when the bible says we are justified by his blood god is saying when you accept the blood of jesus god doesn't see you as a sinner in adam anymore to God, you are innocent of the offense of Adam. I want you to understand this then. So when you, when you are trying to plead the blood, please understand what you are trying to do. Amen? So when you plead the blood, or the blood, when you receive the blood, God is saying, once I see the blood on you, Right from that day, you are a just man, you are a righteous man, you are an innocent man, you are not guilty. By no means. Everything Adam did is gone the day you accept the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Please, I want you to know this because it's very vital. So, when people talk about the doctrine of justification, I don't really know what they believe. I don't know what they teach. Because it's not necessarily another religious doctrine. It's not a doctrine. 
It is the very thing the Lord has come to impact. It is the very thing He came to do. Hallelujah. So once you receive the blood, from that day God said, you are an innocent man, you are a righteous man, before Him. All of the sins Adam placed on you, God expunged when you receive the blood. Hallelujah. Are you listening to this? I'm going to go a little bit deep tonight. Now, let's get on to Colossians 1. Two more major things you need to know about the blood. Colossians 1. Let's read from 13 to 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. In what we have, what? Redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So, number one, you are justified through his blood. Number two, you got redemption through what? His blood. Is that okay? Now, redemption, as a matter of fact, has to do with buying back that which was sold. Primarily. But well, the Hebrew word for redemption, apolytrosis, actually means to ransom in full. Now, ransoming in full means every bit of what was sold is being bought back. Hallelujah. And then I want you to understand this. Keep this at the back of your mind because we're going to say something about it. Are you there? It means redance, taking away, as you, if you will. It talks about Christian salvation and it means deliverance. Redemption equals deliverance. You know why? Deliverance, as we know it today, is a little bit different from the way it is often used in the scriptures. See, the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt. Is that okay? Deliverance means you're getting out of a system of bondage, if you will. That either you or somebody has sold yourself into. And that equal redemption. Now, you can't actually be talking about deliverance without redemption. Because the man that is in bondage can only be in bondage because he's sold into that. By reason of the fact that he's owing. Slaves are only slaves because they owe some amount of money. Are you there? Let me tell you something. When Jesus said prayer, Father, which are in heaven, forgive us our trespasses, even though we forgive those who trespass against us. Other translations it talks about that word transpire talks about debt. Forgive us our debt. Sin in the Bible is debt. That is why it is deliverance. Now, any man that is owing, remember what the scripture says. He said, the borrower is a slave to the lender. Are you getting that? 
So the man you are owing rules over you. Therefore you are in bondage. And so what you need is deliverance. Okay? Are you there? We have always used deliverance for demons. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, we have been delivered from the world. And that is why we became Christians, because we received the blood of redemption. So a man without the blood is not delivered from the world, and is not a Christian. Are you following? Hallelujah. Now, the next thing I want you to see is the word forgiveness through his blood. Is that okay? Aphesis. The word is aphesis. Put me freedom. It means pardon. It also means deliverance, forgiveness, liberty, remission. Now, I want you to look at those things. Pardon. What does it mean to pardon? You pardon people when they commit a crime. Can I have people in prison, you know, and things like that? And maybe uh, the chief judge comes into a city, looks at, oh, you've been there for this number of years. Okay, uh, from today you are pardoned. You don't even need to go to the court to stand for witness or whatever, whatever. You just go. You are pardoned. And sometimes you can commit a crime by a reason of the judgment that is going on. The judge can say, okay, I pardon you. And then from that moment you are free. You no longer are going to pay the price of the offense you committed. Is anybody understanding this? Hallelujah. So the blood gives us pardon. By implication, God is and will not now, tomorrow, yes to come, hold anything against you that Adam ever did. You have been pardoned. You have been set free. You need to know you are free. And if you don't mind, I want to include what your father did. The day you receive the blood, God can't count the sins of your fathers on you anymore. You are pardoned. That is why he say, all souls are mine. The soul that sinned shall die. The soul of the father is mine. The soul of the son is mine. So the day you receive the blood of Jesus, you are pardoned. God forgives you what even your great-grandfather did. Hallelujah. Are you understanding? Are you following what I'm saying? Remember where we're coming from? Justified. When a man is justified, God sees the man to be righteous. Is that okay? It's not as if you never committed a crime. You did commit a crime, but now God came and justified you by reason of the blood. Three major things I want to tell you. I'm telling you tonight what the blood does. It justifies you. It pardons you. And it redeems you. Is anybody understanding that? It justifies you. It pardons you. And it does what? It redeems you. There are the three major things the blood of Jesus does. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you how that works. Leviticus chapter 17. And then I will say one more thing. In regards to that. Leviticus 17. Hallelujah. Okay. 
just look at Okay, let's just begin from verse um, 10. We'll return down to 11. And whatever man of the house of Israel, of the strangers who dwell among you, who eats in the blood, I will set my face against the person who is blood. I will cut it off from among his people. Hallelujah. And let me not bother about that. Let's the end of verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now that word flesh in the Hebrew is nephesh. Nephesh means soul. Hmm? The life of the flesh is in the blood. You can also say the life of the soul is in the blood. And then I have given it to you upon the altar <clears throat> to make atonement for your souls. Hmm? For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Right. It shows our soul is corrupted, which is actually our life. Then it ought to have an atonement. Now, how did that happen? Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Are you there? Let's look at verse 12. This is about Jesus. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide his spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, and the body sins of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. The key thing I want you to see there is, he poured out what? His soul unto to death. Now where did the poor his soul unto? Remember the Bible said the blood is given on the altar for the soul. So that is the altar of sacrifice where he poured his soul. So that your soul can be redeemed. Now let me explain something very deep tonight. Why do you think even when these people the traditional worshippers slaughters an animal they pour the blood on the ground. Or why do you be the Bible say that shall not eat the blood, pour it on the ground? What do you think God is talking about? What do you think the people are practicing? They are actually practicing redemption. Let me explain. What they are trying to do is this. Listen and listen very well. The ground was cursed. <laughs> In Genesis 3, the ground was cursed. Now, without blood, there is no remission. There is no redemption. So, ignorantly, when you go to the shrine and they slaughter the animal and pour the blood on the ground. I like my Jehovah's Witness people. You know, you can't eat the animal with the blood. So, at any point in time. Remember that? They must slaughter the animal and pour the blood. You know, when I was young, you want to kill the animal. Kill the fowls, you know. Chicken. You dig a hole. We are practicing Bible principle, but we don't know. What we are actually doing is God be redeemed. We are pouring back the blood to redeem the land. The land has to be redeemed. Are you still there? That is what we are practicing. That is what even the traditional worshippers are doing, but they don't know. 
Why? Because the ground was caused. When Adam sinned, the ground was caused. Is that okay? Now get the point right again. Why must the ground be redeemed? Because man was taken from the ground. In Genesis 2 7, remember that? The Bible said, God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Now that ground is caused. <laughs> now, it takes blood to redeem that same ground that is caused. The true thing about it is this. Even that ground that is caused is your body and my body. That is the ground that actually is being redeemed. The physical body is to be redeemed. The natural land is to be redeemed. But all through the blood. Because we took our body from the ground. And that is how when a man died, go back to the ground from where he was taken. The Bible says. And that is because the ground also is swallowing people. Now, now you begin to see something when the Bible says, Even the ground shall give up the dead in them. What is that trying to say? Redemption will be affected on all realms, on all dimensions of creation. And the life of man that is in bonded to this system and this element shall be redeemed by reason of the blood. That is why the blood of Jesus will pour out on Golgotha Hill. It has to touch the ground. It didn't just pour it out for our soul and my soul. It also touched the ground. Because the ground was also cursed. But the natural man who don't understand what we're talking about has to begin to use animals to do that. So when you go to the shrine, they say, bring your chicken. And then they slaughter the neck and then they pour the... You remember what they do there? They pour it out and all that. You know, try to see. Those who do that, you know, sometimes they go to T-junctions. They go to... Everything they are trying to do is redemption. They want to redeem the man that have come to offer the sacrifice. But these things can't last long because they are not the equivalent of the blood of a man. So once you receive the blood, you just have to know it. You don't need to do any other sacrifice. In fact, God is not going to accept any. He doesn't accept any. Because there is nothing you want to offer him that is better than his own blood. He has given you his blood for freedom, for liberty, for justification. And there is nothing you can do by way of traditional worship, by way of sacrifice that can redeem you or redeem anything that you do have. It's simply his own blood that he poured out. Are you guys in this? Please understand the value of the blood of Jesus. And stop wasting it. And if you have to do it, do it a conscious belief that you know what you're doing. My tire is not cost, so it doesn't need my blood. I mean the blood of Jesus. Amen? Come on. Are you following what I'm talking about? My table doesn't need the redemption. In fact, we were not told to plead the blood on food. Come on. The Bible says, receive it with sanctification. Simple prayer, giving thanks. It didn't say plead the blood on the food you eat. It didn't say so. Your food doesn't need the blood. It's already given to you. Giving thanks. Sanctify it. Make it holy. Touch it if you will. It doesn't need your blood. Don't need the blood of Jesus. You know, I gave you a funny story here the other time. Was in your place, remember? 
One young boy is in this Christian home. Anytime about the blood of Jesus will cover this boy with the blood of Jesus. So the boy grew to a place and he told the boy to pray. So I open this food with the blood of Jesus. That's how what it means. Every day they cover it. I want to open it. Yeah. And I think the guy is right. He's thinking. He's got good paradigm. How do you cover the food? Every day I want to eat, you cover it. We've got to open it. So I open this food in the blood of Jesus. That's a good revelation. You see? Children are becoming wiser. They are, they are getting to know better. And still, I even said this. If you tell these ones not to praise me, God raise us stones to do that. They are getting wiser. They are getting smarter in the spirit. You don't need the blood in your food. You just receive it with thanksgiving. For having provided. Is that okay? Amen. Know what the blood is meant for. Use it accordingly. Is that alright? It was not meant to chase the devils all over the place. In fact, when you sprinkle the blood, if you will, upon an individual... And then there's a manifestation as the case may be. What you should know you are trying to do is this. You are redeeming that individual by impacting the life of God. And the demons in that life are running because they, this territory is now being bought back by him that owns it. That's what you are trying to do. So it's not as if there is, you, see, you have to understand, everything you practice, know the implication of what you are practicing, and do exactly what the Lord said we should do. Hallelujah. So maybe, let's say if you plead the blood on yourself, what do you think you are doing? You are only trying to add more of the life of God to your life. So that if there is anything negative in your life, it should be going away. Because there is an advancement of the kingdom in your life. To take the territories that have been possessed by other spirits in your life. That is just what you are doing. You are receiving more of the life of God. For transformation, for healing, and for deliverance. Are you catching this? Let's understand the value of the blood. And then, you must, for this fact also, come to the place of living a life of conscious freedom, if you will. Freedom in the sense that you were bought with a price, it has been paid for, you have been liberated, you are not under bondage to anything. Your redemption is guaranteed in the blood of Jesus Christ. So I don't have to be thinking about what my father did or my great father did. Except I'm saying the blood is not strong enough to buy me back from those realms. Are you catching this? Hallelujah. And, and when these traditional worshippers do their sacrifice, I don't get offended. <laughs> I just feel they are in ignorance of what God intends to do. I mean, they are practicing what ought to be, but they don't know how to go about it. They are just practicing it in ignorance. That's why Paul said, I think, was it 1 Corinthians chapter 8? said there is nothing like an idol. You remember that? He said, eating sacrifice, you no. Know, they say it doesn't mean anything, but for the sake of those who are watching, that is why, because they are conscious of the fire, thinking that there is something there, say, but there is nothing there. And a man who says there is nothing there knows that there is nothing there. And if he eats, he's not defiled, and nothing happens to him. I gave a story when we were young. Remember that some time passed. Uh, we were swimming in the river, and they were very tasty. We were in school in those days, and there was this altar by the riverside. 
You know, these people believe they have their shrine. And they used to tell us, this thing is meant for the gods of the rivers. You know? So they put Coca-Cola, they put Fanta, especially in most of them, Fantas and all that. This day we went to school and we were coming back and we were very tasty. And one of my friends just said, hey, man, what happened here? Said, good food. So, we took the Coca-Cola and then we drank it and kept the bottle back. And then one of my friends said, hey, this thing is for a shrine. The juju, no, 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 there's no juju there. We drank it and till today, no juju came to ask me, why did you drink my Coca-Cola? Because they want that are not taken away, they will change color there. Nobody's drinking it. <laughs> See, you've got to live above these things. Men are just in bondage to so many things because they don't know what Jesus has come to do. Jesus is not a religious person. He's the reality of God in relation to man. It's not just religion. It's not just another, you know, camp, you know, Buddhism, whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. It's God's life, God's intention, God's mind, God's purpose. Everything about what God intends to do is what he did in Jesus Christ. That's why I say it is finished. Are you still there with me? It is all the sacrifices you are looking for. I have accomplished for my people. The kinsman redeemer. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying now? I want to read the scripture and I will let you go. Isaiah 19. Isaiah 19. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 19. This is very important. I remember sharing this in Abuja with a brother. He said, hey, Pastor David, I'm seeing it for the first time and this is true. So thank God you got it. Hallelujah. Hmm? Isaiah 19. Are you there? Let's begin to read from verse 20. And the Lord will strike Egypt. When you look at the word strike, you think you want to beat Egypt. But look at the next thing. He will strike and do what? Heal it. They will return to the Lord. Who? Come on, talk to me. Who? Now, how many of you believe Egypt is a representative of the world? Good. So we can say, I will strike the world. He will strike and heal it. Heal the world. They will return to the Lord. There, the world will return to the Lord. And he will be entreated by them and heal them. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. And the Assyrian will come into Egypt. And the Egyptian into Assyria. And the Assyrian will serve with the Assyrians. I mean, the Egyptians will serve with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria. A blessing in the midst of the lands. Whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Bless is Egypt, my people. And Assyria, the work of my hands. And Israel, my heritage. All realms of demonic oppression, if you will. Egypt, bless Egypt, Assyria. You remember how Assyrians, they really dealt with the Israelites. God have no permanent enemy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you still there? So God said, he's going to heal Egypt, he's going to strike Egypt, and Egypt is a type of the wall. And when he strike Egypt, he will heal them. How many of you remember Hosea 3? The Bible says, he is striking us, and he's going to heal us on the third day, which shall be in his presence. When God strikes, he's getting ready to heal. Amen. Did you get that? So there's no realm of creation that will not taste of the redemption 
of the blood of Jesus. Don't waste it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Amen.